0: On today's show, when Adam Katz set out to write his first novel, he took a job in a Denver grocery store to make ends meet. Then the pandemic hit, and he knew he needed to document his experience.
1: This became a project that was much bigger than me.
0: We talk with him about his new book, Life on the Grocery Line. That's coming up. You're listening to KUNC's Colorado Edition. I'm Erin O'Toole. While many people were able to work remotely during the coronavirus pandemic, that didn't apply to everyone. According to an analysis from the Bell Policy Center, around 20% of Colorado's workforce are considered essential workers in fields ranging from healthcare to transportation to stocking the shelves of grocery stores. Whether they considered themselves essential or not, they still had to show up to their jobs in person in the midst of the uncertainty and fear created by the virus. Among many things the pandemic revealed was just how undervalued many essential workers are, especially those who work in lower-paid service industry jobs. I'm joined now by Denver-based author and blogger Adam Cat, whose new book chronicles his experience working in a busy grocery store during the height of the pandemic. It's called Life on the Grocery Line, A Frontline Experience in a Global Pandemic. Adam, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Erin. It's good to be here.
0: Now, this is your first book, and it's not exactly the book that you initially set out to write. Before we dive into that, uh, take us back to 2019. Before the pandemic started, you had aspirations to become an author, but at the time you were working in the corporate world. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You know, like like so many people, I went to college, you know, just to go to college and I didn't really have a plan or direction. And I uh, ended up working in supply chain and customer service for about eight years. And you know, like I I want to try something new. So I started to, I moved to a different company and it, I ended up being in a toxic situation. The manager wasn't good. Like we didn't nothing fit right or mixed well. So I decided to, um, quit my job and work on a novel that I've been wanting to write for, I don't know, like 10 years or so. And, um, yeah, it was a completely different novel. It, it, uh, by the end of 2019, I had a draft, but you know, I ran out of money because I cashed out my 401k and done all sorts of foolish things to, like you know, make that change in life. But I knew that I needed to, you know, I needed to jump, and that was the, that was the time. So. Um, I came to the end of the year with a draft and yeah, I, I need money. So I started working at a grocery store.
0: Yeah. And you took what arguably should have been a pretty easy job to, you know, focus on your writing and you were working, um, as a cashier at a grocery store.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I, I thought that, you know, it'd be a job that would maybe leave me physically exhausted, but like mentally free and like, and have mornings open to write. I write best in the morning. Um, I looked at it as kind of a short-term solution and kind of a throwaway job in a way, which sounds insulting now that I've lived through this, um, because it's, it's not, it's much more important than I had originally thought. But I know a lot of people think the same thing. And the store that I worked at was so busy all the time that you know, it had, a, had an energy to it. It has a life force to it that's fascinating. And I'm so glad that I started working there. And taken early.
0: But, you know, the unexpected happened, and the unexpected thing was the coronavirus. The first COVID cases uh, were officially confirmed in early March. I believe it was March 5th. And then things started to just close down a few weeks later. Describe what was happening in the grocery store in those first few weeks and months, and, and what was it like from your vantage point?
1: You know, like, I think... I. I thought the shutdown, like the lockdowns happened like St. Patrick's Day weekend or something to that effect. And um, it was it went from just it started to get busy. Like there were a lot of people coming in worried about what was going on with the virus and everything. But it really sped up that mid-March and schools shut down. You know, people work from home. The ones that could work from home did. Restaurants and bars closed. The lines got instantly gigantic the shelves seemed stripped bare overnight and it was like you did all the stuff they put on the shelf would be gone the next day. The, you know, we the employees were put under a different protocol seemingly all the time. You know, I had to wipe down a register between each customer for a while, which was exhausting. I mean, when you're talking about hundreds, maybe even a thousand people go through your line in a super busy store like that. And it it was, yeah, Your my arm got sore. That's a good way to put it. Like my arm got sore after I, um, from doing it so much. But they, they put like limits on the amount of people that could come in. Masks became required. There was a temperature check station for employees that you had to, anytime you went in and out, you had to get your temperature checked. And it honestly was not accurate at all. Um, Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, the, like the communal areas, like the cafe closed. It was it was eerie and I guess dystopian is a good way to like say it. It felt weird, like a zombie apocalypse or something. Oh,
0: yeah, that must have had such a phenomenal impact on you and your coworkers. With, I'm curious if management was communicating information well to you or, or did they even know what was going on?
1: You know, it, like I, th- I got the feeling they were doing the best they could but I know a lot of other people didn't feel like that. I just felt like everything was changing so much in our society so quickly that you didn't know anything and you couldn't know anything. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job, but like it was, it went from, I went from a cashier to a therapist almost overnight. Like it was the only person that, you know, many of, of the customers could talk to in real life. Like everyone else was on the phone, you know, or, or just their family that they live with. And like their fear was, was palpable, you know, the things they would talk about, you know, like kind of worried about their kids and the safety. And you'd hear all rumors. Everything was rumors, you know, Twitter doom scrolling, people just getting over sensationalized. And, um, there was a lot of a lot of extra pressure instantly for all me and my coworkers, the being called essential or be called being called heroes. It was stressful and it was remarkable, very strange.
0: It's so interesting to hear that that, you know, hero or essential label was a little bit stressful. Um, I know the customers you write about in the book were all having different reactions to the news and maybe depending on where that news was coming from, um, word was going around that, you know, schools were closing, things were shutting down, but no one really knew what was going on. Can you talk about the first person you saw wearing a mask in the store?
1: The the first one I really remember, like there might have been a few other ones, but there was this this one woman that came in and she didn't just wear a mask. She wore like a full like PPE garb. Like she looked kind of like she, you know, there was, a, I don't know, from maybe the, the movie Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman. Like it was the very, very extreme. She had like a, a face shield on, she kind of goggles on. She had like uh, wraps around her hands and all sorts of stuff. And she was explaining to me that she lived um, through the AIDS epidemic like through the 80s and I like I it was jarring to say the least that like that like just the disconnect too because it's this isn't remotely like the same thing or anything but like she was just full bore like she went completely reacting up, like all the way out and did a uh, I don't know it, it definitely like made me think like is this is this that serious like before that I really hadn't thought of it as too serious and then all of a sudden it became very serious very quickly
0: right and then you had other customers coming through the line that thought this was all hyped it was all overblown
1: oh yeah yeah definitely like you know i get lectures about how you know like what the government's doing about how this isn't real it's just the flu it's just this it's just that it's you know and there's all hearsay and con- and conjecture, it's just rumors from everyone on like kind of both sides of everything. And it's very confusing. And I just kind of, you I don't know, just use it as chit chat, you know, because I, I, as a cashier, I enjoyed, you know, the gift of gab and like talking to people. And like, that's what it kind of took away from me with the plexiglass and the masks. It became very isolating and you couldn't hear people properly. So they just, they just ignore you, or you, you ignore them. Adam,
0: I'm hoping you could read a short passage from your book. Um, And just to set this up, I believe this takes place sort of early on in the pandemic. You've been fielding questions from customers. You've been kind of part uh, therapist, part cashier. Um, And it's close to the end of your shift at the register, but your replacement hasn't shown up yet.
1: Okay. It's been an hour since my call to the supervisor when the phone at my register rings. Hey, dude. Mike greets me. I know you're tired, but you were about to. I know you were tired and you were about to go home, but do you think you could stay until close? We had a call out and we really could use the help. I, con- I contemplate my level of exhaustion and weigh it against the need for money. Yeah, man, I can help. No problem. Okay, you're awesome. Also, there will be a guy coming through with installing plexiglass dividers here in a little bit. You can take your break then. Uh, dividers? Yeah, word came down from corporate that we need to start adding dividers and providing additional personal protective equipment. A customer just mentioned something about PPE earlier. I guess this is getting serious, huh? It seems so. We get updates periodically. I'll let you know what's happening when I find out. What time will it be at my register? I'm getting hungry. They should be at your register soon. Sorry, I don't have an exact time.
0: I'm speaking with Denver-based author Adam Katt, who wrote about his experience working in a grocery store during the coronavirus pandemic in a new book, Life on the Grocery Line. Adam, what you describe in that excerpt seems to foreshadow a lot of what's coming, a lot of extra demand on those of you who are still coming to work, exhaustion, exhaustion, working extra hours, covering for people who were out sick. D- did you feel taken care of by store management? Like, were your concerns heard?
1: Um, I, personally, I kind of, I kept my head down a lot. I know a lot of people that I worked with. And I know a lot of people that I worked with were very, like, they didn't feel like they were getting heard. And I wonder if like a lot of you know, people in general across the board, like you know, from my parents to my friends to to you and your friends and loved ones, if anyone felt like they were getting taken care of. But yeah, it um, it all seemed to happen so fast that I didn't like notice it until it I was already doing it. If that makes sense, like I'm wearing a mask one day and then plexiglass goes up, and it all happened so fast that I it later on, later on down in the pandemic um, I felt like we weren't getting maybe the information we needed um, or not being talked to enough. It's a big company, big store. but yeah, it did feel pretty isolating you know um, I know that we had so we got hero pay is what they called it I guess. Um, you got a we got two dollar raise at the time and they also had unlimited, like call ins because otherwise you would, you know, get in trouble for absenteeism. But um you you could call in as much as you wanted. And they offered up like, you know, if you need to talk to someone, you could. Um, I dove into my writing is what I did. That's how I dealt with everything the best. And I don't know. I I know a lot of people really struggled through that. I heard a lot about you know people breaking down and crying and calling out a lot. A lot of people called out. So you had you were short-staffed and super slammed. It was it was rough.
0: We're speaking with Denver-based writer Adam Kat, who wrote about his experience working in a grocery store during the height of the pandemic. His new book is called Life on the Grocery Line. We'll be back with more after a short break. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. I'm talking with Denver-based author Adam Cat. He had taken a job in a busy grocery store just as the pandemic hit in early 2020. He has written a novel about his experience set in a fictional store that he calls Dream Grocers, which reveals what it was like to be an essential worker during that uncertain time. Now, Adam, you witnessed a lot of different behaviors from customers uh, apparently a global pandemic brings out the best and the worst in people Could you share an example or two of what you saw
1: you know so we started running out of a bunch of different items you know obviously like rice and um, canned goods things like that but we started to run out of bags because we were so busy and so management told us not to double bag if we could well a woman that coming came into my line, she asked me to double bag her groceries and I told her that I couldn't do it. But I I realized once I looked at her that she was not in a great mood and this wasn't going to go well sort of thing. Like you kind of pick up on that after a little bit, like if this is going to be bad and I would have just double bagged her groceries, but she snapped immediately and like started grabbing stuff off the conveyor belt and throwing it into her cart. And she also like grabbed the bag of groceries that I was bagging and threw it into her cart too. She even spilled some on the floor. And the whole time she's telling me, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. And then as she's storming out, I'm watching her as she goes, because this is such a scene. And she looks back at me. She says something, licks her hand and slaps it down on the final register.
0: She licked her hand and slammed it down what was going through your mind
1: like i was still in i was in shock i was like what did i just see like what it, and what did she say to me too like the it what it it like really taught me was that you know people are suffering through whatever they're dealing with all at the same like and you have no idea what they're going through um she didn't need to react like that obviously like clearly she didn't need to do that even no matter what's going on in her life but Um, I, I knew in that moment that people were at their breaking point, a lot of people were really struggling and they were, you know, I became the whipping boy for people. They're like cashiers and grocery store employees, retail employees in general are kind of, you know, they, they take a lot of abuse from customers anyway, but it was an extreme time too. But, uh, You also got like the best, I I feel like you got some of the best out of people too. Cause you
0: saw some positives.
1: Yes, definitely. You know, I, I thought the pandemic would be a great leveling event in a lot of ways. And it, and it was, I, I witnessed some really interesting stuff and the, I remember there was a brain surgeon that would always go through my line. He had like six kids, really, really nice guy. And, you know, so he, for weeks on end every week he'd have like, you know, 500 or $600 worth of groceries. And he come through my line and he is a brain surgeon, which is a pretty elite job. And he just wanted to know about my writing and about how we were doing in the store and what he could do to help. And he would always like organize his his groceries on the conveyor belt and he bag his own groceries. The guy was a machine, <laughs> absolutely mach- like wonderful person to deal with. And wow. it, it felt like we were in the same space, you know, like, like that we were on the same level. He was more interested in me and I was like, "Well, wow, what's it like to, you know, poke around in some, someone's skull? It was fantastic and life-changing, really, to meet him.
0: I want to ask about the book now at this point, because you mentioned you had already finished a rough draft of what was going to be your first book um, before taking this job at the grocery store. Was there a certain point in this experience that you decided you needed to switch gears and, and write about this experience? instead of your original story idea? Well,
1: you know, I started writing about it out of necessity. I felt like the, the only way I could really process what I was going through and how crazy everything became was to share what I was going through. And so I started a blog called Life on the Grocery Line. And just I, I wanted to put it out in the universe. And I knew that I was in a, you know, a unique position where I was uh, seeing something that a lot of people maybe wouldn't wouldn't understand, and I could shed light on what was uh, cashiers were going through. And you know, the blog grew and grew and grew. And I wrote it on it a few months. I'd write like you know multiple posts per week, and people would share stories with me. And I knew that like this was an important story to tell. It was much more important to talk about this than some silly novel that I ended up. You know, I read that not I reread my draft a few months ago. And um, let's just say it's not great. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) That happens sometimes.
1: Yeah, it it makes sense. You know, it's (laughs) the first novel. And um, this became a project that was much bigger than me. It was about a community and about a group of people that are forgotten by society. I'd say at large is we take for granted that. There's someone going in, like, putting the oranges out and doing the work to, like, make sure that you're fed, that you have the food for your families. And it it took precedent. And I, I focused on it. And I, like, I think by August of 2020, I was full bore writing the novel. And I chose fiction because it's the best way to convey Um, all the things we were going through, like the the isolation, the, the fact that like time seemed to just crunch together, you know, that whole summer of 2020 seems like a blurry week, like a fever dream. Yeah. Um, and it was the best way to explain it was through fiction.
0: You know, there's been a, a fairly recent new swell of movement around supporting essential workers. Um, you know, efforts to raise pay and benefits, supporting unionization in some places. It feels like the pandemic shined a light on frontline workers and what they go through. Uh, you mentioned the hero pay was there for a bit and went away. Um, what are your your thoughts on all of this?
1: You know, the, once that hero pay went away, I, that hit me hard. It was $2 a raise, but like when you're like, you're used to paying that. And like, you're, you're finally maybe being able to catch up a little bit more on bills. Cause I took huge, well, I took a risk in 2019, but I also was taking a big pay cut. So I was kind of just scraping by with my apartment kind of like looking back on it. It's like, how did I survive on the $15 an hour that I was making? Um, And when they took that away, that like, well, it felt like a slap in the face. It's like, what have I been dealing with for, you know, six months that, you can just take that away from me. Like, like it, it hurt everybody across the board and it didn't make anyone feel valuable. It, it made me It like, I realized where I stood with the company. So I think it's great that like employees are using collective bargaining to get what they want out of their employers. It obviously it's not the only like um, way to get out of that situation, but I think it's, it's fantastic. And I'm happy that they're doing it. And cause it's a tough job. It's so hard and so underappreciated and to take away the hero pay just because, you know, things aren't as crazy as they were before when really nothing changed after I lost that money, nothing about my job changed. Nothing was easier. It wasn't back to normal. It was, it wouldn't be like another for another year and a half for it to go back to normal for people like now would be more normal. And yeah, I'm, I hope they get everything they want out of it. I think that's great.
0: I'm wondering how your time as an essential frontline worker, how did that change you and and how you see yourself and your role in this world?
1: Hmm. Um well, it made it made me like really appreciate what people do, the, the things you forget, like you go through the motions and the characters in life on the grocery line. Um, like Dave and Linda, where they ignore the way they treat a lot of, you know, grocery store workers is, it's how I treated people too. Like, even if I, I've worked in customer service and retail, like for most of my life, and you still forget that you're, cause you're going through the motions you forget who those people are. And like, I know what their value is now and I'll never forget that. I also know, like, I I feel smaller, you know, because like now all of a sudden more people seem are more in your purview. Like I understand that grocery store workers are really important. There's all these other people in the, the machine that help it run. And everything is so fragile. Like it's incredibly fragile, our supply chain and the things that keep us fed. And we're in, we're in a country that's, wildly successful as far as that stuff goes. We don't have to worry about things most of the time, but like the pandemic leveled that all. And it just peeled back the onion. You saw everything for what it really is. I felt like.
0: Right. Do you consider yourself an advocate for essential workers?
1: Yeah. I've, I've tried to use this book and the platforms i found through it to kind of speak up. Like nothing else to try and you know talk to remind people to treat grocery store employees like they're people you know like I, I know you go through the line and it just doesn't matter it doesn't feel like it matters it's just some another thing you got to do get your groceries your two items and leave but if you give eye contact you know remember someone's name smile now that we can see smiles again right like the it's it's so so much more or it means so much for you to do that. And if I can like make an impact in that way at all, I think that'd be amazing.
0: Adam Kat is the author of Life on the Grocery Line, a frontline experience in a global pandemic. Adam, thank you so much for talking with me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Aaron. This was great. Thank you so much.
0: That's our show for today. Tomorrow on Colorado Edition, we head up to the hills above Loveland to see how a new reservoir takes shape. I'm Erin O'Toole. Our production team includes Henry Zimmerman and Tess Novotny. Digital editing is handled by Ashley Jeffcoat and Jackie High. Our theme music was composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Thanks so much for listening. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC.